Welcome back, WIT listeners. I'm your 2023 host, Becky Schneider, and I hope everyone has had a happy and healthy and relaxing holiday season. And for everybody ready to hit the ground running in 2023, I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, who will most certainly provide some inspiration. Jessica Maloney is the Vice President of DHS Operations at Sev One Tech, a large-scale modernization and digital transformation partner helping government and commercial organizations leverage IT, science, and engineering to fully harness the power of technology and engineering across a broad spectrum of missions and domains. She has certainly distinguished herself over her 10 years at Sev One Tech, winning the Rising Star Award in her first year with the company, Employee of the Year and Project of the Year three three times over for her work streamlining operations and driving innovation within the Department of Homeland Security Business Unit. As one of the youngest business unit leads, she supports all DHS programs, managing over 200 employees and a $45 million portfolio with the hands-on approach to management and deliverables tracking, ensuring all processes and procedures align with both the customer's expectations as well as the company's goals. Jessica was the winner of the 2022 WIT Rising Star Leadership Award, and as Jessica's career accelerates, she is working to provide new opportunities for her colleagues, especially other rising women in tech, to shine. So let's dive right into it. Go ahead, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and more about your current work and position at Sev One Tech. Yeah, thank you so much for having me this afternoon. I'm really excited to get this opportunity. I am uh, I hail from Colorado, Colorado Springs specifically, and I grew up there pretty much my entire life and actually went to uh, University of Denver for my bachelor's degree. So I moved here to D.C. around 2009 after I graduated, and if you remember... That was a tough time to be finding a job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The housing market had crashed and, you know, I don't even think they were hiring experienced people, let alone uh, entry level positions straight out of college. So it was it was definitely a tough time to be moving, but made the jump and wanted to try something new. I had lived in Colorado my whole life. And that's really, you know, kind of the beginning of trying to figure out what I was going to do for work and finding Sep One Tech in 2012 was just the biggest blessing that I ever had. I obviously had kind of an entry level position with them when I first moved, um, but was able to uh, rise rise up, kind of work the ladder, um, work the different positions that were, you know, all the opportunities that were provided and, you know, have landed on, uh, honestly, probably my favorite job at Sub One Tech so far, which has allowed me to just do a lot more mentoring and uh, working with all the different components within DHS, which are so essential to our country's security. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I will come back to DHS in a little bit, but I, you mentioned coming to DC in 2009 after coming from Colorado, and then you started at Sub One Tech in 2012. So that leaves a little bit of a gap. I know you, <laughs> yes. you had mentioned before you wanted to do something big. And, and I know DC is a place where a lot of folks come to make dreams like that happen. So what was your initial experience like in DC in 2009? And how did you kind of find your way to Sev One Tech a little bit later? You know, just to be honest, it was a culture shock to move from Colorado to DC is yeah. a completely different environment. Um, DC is a lot more cutthroat. It's definitely very political. There's a lot of opportunity, but you need to know how to work the system to be able to get those opportunities. And I didn't really know what that even meant at that time. Yeah. Um, when I first moved, 
because of the market and how everything was the job market, I really was just going to take anything that I could get. And to be honest with you, at that time, there was a Montessori school that had been hiring, you know, student teachers and all you needed was a bachelor's degree. And I think it was around like 12 or 13 an hour. And I was like, I'll take it. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, good enough for me. (laughs) I need a job. I need money. So I took it and I actually really loved it. I made some great contacts there and was able to work with children, which I love kids. And so that was, you know, a great experience. And then from there, I worked with my family, looking around to see, you know, with their contacts and networking. And that's something that I had to learn is to ask, ask for help, ask people around you that care about you to see if they'd give you a shot. And my uncle said, Hey, there's a, there's an internship at my IT company, North of Grumman, and they were hiring for an IT help desk position. And so that was actually my introduction to IT. I answered phones, reset passwords, worked with angry customers, you know, when they uh, couldn't get the website to work, it was a travel website. And at that time, I was like, hmm, I kind of like IT. This is cool. And it started to really create an interest for me for IT. And that was actually my introduction to IT was working at North of Crumman as an intern. It wasn't even full time. It was a, you know, hourly based internship. They actually ended up extending me a full time position after my internship was over. So that was my first full time job with benefits and everything. Wow. Had you done IT in school? What did you study? So I actually studied international business in college and I did a minor in law. I wanted to go to law school. I took my LSATs. I did that whole path and I just bombed it. And I remember like crying in my room for hours. Like, what am I going to do with my life? You know, it just, it is a moment. Like I call them like milestone moments in your life where you're like, either I let this define me or I let it teach me something and I move forward with my life. Right. And, 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 And I'm stronger because of it because I went through something and I failed. It's okay to fail as long as you're able to kind of take that as a lesson and move forward. I just kind of stumbled into IT because of my uncle's internship that was available. But really, I think I was meant to do that all along because it has truly become one of my biggest passions. So I love when you said milestone moment. Not a lot of people would think of failing the LSAT as a milestone (laughs) moment, but I love your perspective on that. And I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I'm just curious if you have any other big milestone moments, either that can be looked at as a positive or a negative, but were a big moment for you throughout your career that you look back on. Yeah, I have a few, but I guess another groundbreaking one was being given the opportunity to run a program for the first time. Um, I had been, you know, when I first joined Subone Tech, I'd been really in like a coordinating support role and just kind of getting, you know, it was a completely different layer of IT that I had, you know, started working in. And I remember the first time my CEO was like, so I know you've been coordinating for a few months now, but what are your thoughts about taking over the whole program? Yeah. What? (laughs) <laughs> I was like, no, no. That's- You're like, I have no thoughts on it. Um- <laughs> I, have no thoughts. I don't even know what that means. You know, and to be honest with you, I didn't do well in the beginning. Yeah. You know, definitely got called into his office. Like what's going on? You know, I heard this from the customer and you're not making great decisions. Like you need to come and ask me. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so yeah. I had a lot of moments where I feel like I failed here. I didn't quite meet the mark. There's an expectation. I'm, I'm not meeting that. And I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I have too much on my plate. I feel like I'm not the right person for this. Somebody else with more experience should have been considered. But in those moments, again, you grow a lot. If, if you're able to really take it and learn from it and flip the 
the odds against you to say, hey, I'm not going to let this moment define me. If anything, I'm going to prove to everybody that I can actually do this and I'm going to believe in myself, which is probably the most important step out of all of those. You got to do that first is get out of your own way and say, I can do this. And I was able to do that through those kind of those first few years of learning how to run a program, what that even looked like. And yeah, definitely made some bad bad decisions and (laughs) felt like I was a failure and I wasn't able to do it, but you have to be able to work through them and not make those decisions again. And, and you do eventually you do, you do learn and you figure it out and you move forward and hopefully, you know, you get success. Yeah. You're, I think currently managing over a hundred people total in a $40 million portfolio. So talking about the ownership of knowledge and keeping these groups organized and establishing trust as the vice president of DHS operations, how has managing this team gone? What are some pros and cons of a team and a portfolio this large? What are some tips and tricks you've learned running this group? So it's a large group. When I first took this position, I knew that it was going to, you know, I had been used to kind of running a crew of about 80, having direct project managers under me. So really your direct reports are less than that, but still you're responsible for all of these people. And I don't take that lightly at all. I do feel like any decision that I make when I talk to a a government customer, when I'm hearing about budget cuts, I lose sleep over those things because I know that that impacts people's lives. And I try my best to make decisions where maybe it may not be the best thing for everybody in the situation, but it's going to be the best thing for the majority of the people on the team. Yeah. The challenges for me in that role, I would say that the biggest challenge is I love to give everybody their time, their undivided attention and their time where I can look at them in the eyes and hear out their issue. Uh, Because that's really what I'm doing most of the days. I'm working on challenges and issues that rise up, um, whether it's personal challenges with an employee or it's a contractual challenge with, with the customer. And that's the biggest challenge is to make the time for everybody where you, you know, having that one on one whether they're having an issue in in their personal life or they, you know, they want to get advice on a training that they should take or making sure that I'm focused on them for that moment and not reading an email or looking at a text, getting a call from a customer and letting that interrupt our time because they deserve it. I got that time and they, they deserve it too. So that has been the hardest part. And I guess the way around it is to really just give them that time and not have the expectation that you're going to get something else done during that time and just focus on it. You know, I did performance reviews recently. And I really just shut down the world and gave them their hour and said, you know, talk to me, how did this year go? What worked? What didn't work? What do you like? What don't you like? What's your vision for your career moving forward? And I love having those meetings. I love talking through something, even if it's a challenge, if they're really having a hard time with another team member or with a customer, and they're just struggling to see through it, and they want to leave, you know, we talk through it, I give them the time to, to really hash it out to vent because I feel like it's important to give people that space versus them just blowing up in a meeting or to a right. customer, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. talk to me about it. Let's work through it before yeah. we're there. To be honest with you, having a portfolio this big now, it's a lot of pressure. It's, you know, about a third of our overall company. And there is expectation that I the portfolio grows. That doesn't just automatically happen. There's a lot of hard people that are working, you know, with me to make sure that that happens. It's not a one man or one woman show by any means. Yeah. But how do you handle that pressure? I know we have a lot of listeners who 
you know, are going through the next push, the next challenge at work, Mm -hmm. trying to grow themselves. And there's always that really uncomfortable period where you feel like maybe you've taken on too much. How have you handled that uh, with this or, or in other roles in the past? Yeah, it did not come easy. I struggled in the beginning with work-life balance and letting the pressure really get to me, you know, where I wouldn't sleep or I'd work until two in the morning or, you know, just no boundaries. And and I can't give this to anybody because I have to do it myself and just like taking it all on. And it was not ever asking for help and not really understanding how to maneuver from having just one program to now having 13 programs and having program managers report to me. And how, how does that transition even work? Right. Right. I didn't didn't really understand that. And so when I first did it, it was like, I'll just take this all on all myself, just me looking back. Right. Of course I would do that because that's what I used to do on my programs. And that makes sense. Right. When you're working in that smaller kind of microchasm, but once you're right, once it grows and now there's just no way possible for one human being to be able to do that. It's not healthy. It's not possible. And you will constantly feel like you're never doing enough. And I remember I had this conversation one day with my CEO where I was just pretty much in tears and feeling like I'm not cutting it and I don't know what to do. And um, he was like, who are you surrounding yourself with that is able to take on some of this load? Who are you mentoring? Who are you bringing up? You know, any project coordinators that can become project managers? Who are you delegating to? Who are you teaching? Who is that? And I honestly could not name him like more than one one or two people. And I'm like, that's not good. That is not good because I always saw it. And especially as women, like sometimes we can feel like, oh, if we let someone take on something that I have, it's going to get taken from me. Right. Oh, yeah. We see delegating as a weakness. I'm going to be seen as weak. Like, oh, she can't handle it. She's not cut out for it. But that's just so it's not true at all. And what I realized is when I started to surround myself with just rock stars, started to delegate more, started to say, Hey, you know, not only am I going to delegate this to you, but I'm going to show you, Yeah. let's walk through it together. We did recordings, you know, briefings, like brown bag sessions where I, I recorded like, this is how I would want a status report to be done for this program and recorded those things and just really tactically like worked through all of these things that were taking up an immense amount of time. I did not need to do these things anymore. I really need to, yeah. needed to learn how to let go. And I started letting go and letting go gave me my life back. To be honest with you, I was able to really say, Hey, at four 30, I'm done. Am I really done? No, of course not. But because there's so much more to do, but for me personally, I had to be done because I have to cook dinner for my family and I want to do a workout and I want to say hi to my husband for five minutes. And like, that's how I was able to really incorporate work-life balance. And there's ebb and flows. Of course, to be honest with you, is every day, am I perfectly doing this? Of course not. And when I get a new contract, I'm going to have to be in the grind for a little bit, right? And figure out who those delegating people are. And you're going to be crazy for a little bit, but then you have to figure out like the system of getting back to that balance where you're being able to delegate properly. And the coolest part about all this that I learned over this time is it is a win-win situation right? You're winning because you're able to learn how to delegate and you're seeing all these people that are rising up and doing all this awesome work. And they're winning because you're promoting people. You're giving them the ability to not only get into a role that they've been dreaming about, but make more money. And it's a win-win. I'm like, I'm so happy for you. (laughs) You know, this is awesome. I'm very happy for me, of course, but I'm very happy for you and being able to 
really like pay it forward to, you know, to individuals that have worked really, really hard. And, you know, just to be honest with you, I love giving women that opportunity, right, where they normally would be overlooked. Like, oh, you're just, you know, a, a business analyst. It's like, well, let's see if you can run a project. Let's go. Yeah. And I can delegate that project to her. I mean, I've seen so many people be able to kind of rise up and and when you gave them the opportunity, it was like you unleashed something that was there all along. And I'm like, man, I should have tapped into this earlier. That's on me. Yeah. You know? So Yeah, that's awesome. I think when looking back at some of the most formative, at least on my own career mm-hmm. moments, it was those moments when someone else saw something that I had never had enough confidence to push through. And you kind of get that internal validation is good. But at some point, you you do kind of need external validation to feel like, okay, I'm on the right track. Other people that I respect in these positions in my industry see something, maybe I am doing something right, maybe I can keep going, you know, I'm heading in the right direction, I can kind of push through that wall. And you giving, you know, younger folks, especially women that push that they needed is so, so important, especially with a group as big as you have you know, how have you tried to encourage younger women to kind of push through those walls? How have you encouraged diversity within your group? What are some some things that you've looked for in fostering that? Yeah, within DHS, you know, obviously, I had to do that myself. It's not easy. I know that it's not easy when you're sitting in a room and or you walk into a room and everyone's assuming you're the, you know, you're, you're taking notes or you're in that position versus assuming that you're running the entire program. That hurts, you know, that's hard. It's hard to hear that. It's hard to experience that. But again, it makes you stronger if you are able to kind of be in that moment and say, you know, respectfully, I'm the program manager and, you know, you correct them and move forward. That's kind of how I took it. And I was able to really talk to other women to say, hey, if we are in this situation where, you know, people are assuming that you're a role that you're not, or you're given a task that you feel like, why is this task given to me out of everybody in the room? And that's tough in IT. There is a I mean, I can tell you 99% chance that you will be the minority in the room. Yeah. It, it is just that way yeah. in IT. And I have made it my mantra to try to move that percentage to, to get a little bit more fair. I understand that there's different, you know, different people like have different interests, of course, oh, sure. but there's just IT has become so broad. But how do I cultivate, you know, diversity within the group? I really take this from honestly from my CEO uh, he had always told me it has nothing to do with your gender or your background or your ethnicity or where you came from it's really between the space between your ears and I I loved that I was yeah. like yes that is exactly what this is about it is about your competency your ambition you know are you able to be relied upon are you hardworking? that is what should be considered for promotions and moving people to that next level. And I really try to institute that into my business portfolio. I think it's important to just consider people for what they're competent for and not necessarily consider all these other factors. Of course, I am a woman and I've been through my challenges. And so I do have a soft spot for other young women that I like, I know what they're going through. I know I know their challenges. I know that they feel so unseen sometimes and I want to give them that spotlight. And I, I think that that's fair, you know, to be able to give them that. People gave me an opportunity because of the space between my ears. So to me, I'm giving them their opportunity because of the space between their ears. I would never give someone an opportunity that didn't work really hard for it. 
For sure. Um, I just straight up, I wouldn't, <laughs> whether they're a man or a woman, it doesn't really matter. But I do think that at times women get overlooked for those positions, for those promotions, because yeah. there's just so much more men in the pool. That's kind of how I was able to promote that within DHS. And it's a work in progress. I think, you know, as a company really worked on diversity and having different types of programs and opportunities and giving that space Um, especially with, you know, all the things that have happened over the past few years, it's been heavy, you know, heavy on people's hearts, and it it bleeds into your work. And so it's hard not to talk about it. If you're trying to kind of stay neutral, it's very hard not to do that, not to talk about it, you have to. So I would, you know, from time to time, reach out specifically to the women and that are in a male dominant industry, and maybe their their entire team is men, and they're the only woman and I check in on them and say, how's it going? Do you feel like you're being fairly treated? Has there been any incidents? And it's it sounds like very taboo to talk about it, but I don't think that it is. I think it's important to kind of hit it straight on and say, has anyone said anything to you? Do you feel safe? Do you feel comfortable sharing your ideas? Are you being heard? You know, are your designs being looked at the same way, just like everybody else's? Tell me the truth. What is going on? How are you feeling? Making sure that you're doing those check-ins, I think, going out of the way to do them are very, very important. Yeah. No, I I absolutely love that. And, you know, looking out for different ways that that knowledge is presented is super important. But you, you know, reaching out and and checking in on folks. I think we've talked about this with other guests, especially in a place like IT, where it's really skewed, Uh, maybe not as much as it used to be as, as things start to get more integrated with other industries. And it's not as standalone as it used to be. I think a lot of it that women face day to day are just instances of mm-hmm. sexism that aren't prominent. Like it's just yep. little side comments that maybe people didn't even mean anything by. And it's just culture that has lasted for so long. And and so I think just being aware of that and checking in with other women and, and you especially telling, you know, younger women, this is not something that you have to deal with. And yeah. you can a hundred percent feel comfortable standing up for yourself and saying, no, I'm, I'm here because I'm running this meeting and I'm in charge. I'm not here to take notes. You know, looking back, what advice would you give to women who are maybe looking to get into it as we try to bring more women into this industry? Yeah, I think, you know, I guess my, my advice might be a little old fashioned, but I do think that you learn so much starting from the ground up. I think a lot of times folks want to kind of take that shortcut I want to make the most money. I, you know, want to get to that leadership role. I want to be boss. And yes, you will get there one day, girl. I totally believe there. And I will be on the sidelines cheering. However, I do believe in paying your dues because I I feel like there's so much that you learn along the way. And if you take that shortcut, you know, let's say someone is desperate and needs someone to fill that role and they give you that opportunity, you may not be prepared quite yet for that type of role. I think it's important if you're breaking into a new industry and I would tell this, uh, you know, to anybody, whether it's a man or a woman uh, that's breaking into a new industry, you kind of got to start from the ground up and figure things out from the beginning because that creates the foundation of who you become in that career. Be willing to kind of take something that's a little more entry level. It may not be as glamorous, yeah, but literally every opportunity that you have to rise up, to do more than what's asked of you to automate something, to think outside of the box, you will have that opportunity no matter what position you're in. And take those opportunities, even if it's in an entry-level position as you're breaking into the IT sector, 
and just think differently. Always try to think differently and to do more of what's asked of you. If, if you're being asked to, you know, put together a spreadsheet, try to think of different ways of putting that together and always be available to do extra. I would say that that's something that really helped me. And I, I believe that it does help with getting promoted faster because if you're the person that's always the go-to person that's thinking outside of the box and just delivering great work, then you, you know, in a fair world, obviously there's situations that aren't fair, but in a fair world, you should be considered for that next role. And slowly and surely you're going to be moving on to the next thing and and getting promoted and becoming that boss that you've envisioned. That's what I would tell a young woman that's breaking in. And fortunately, I get to talk to a lot of those women and I give them that advice. We would look at a position description and they feel discouraged, right? Like, oh, this isn't my dream. This isn't really what I want to do. I'm like, okay, but you have to get in the door. Like, yeah. let's take this, you know, this is, this is a great opportunity for you right now. Look at, look at, you're going to have secure benefits. You're going to have a 401k. You got to yes. think more than just, oh, my day to day, what I'm going to be doing. And you have to teach people to kind of think that way sometimes, because it can be very much like, you know, I'm only thinking in a tunnel versus thinking of how right. this is a stepping stone for the next thing. Do the best that you can in that opportunity and have your eyes set for what's next. Yes. That's it. That's yeah. it. If you're really happy where you're at and you feel like it's a good environment for you and you're, you're liking the work, see if there is an opportunity to move up and take on more responsibility before you jump. I know it's, we're in a culture right now of kind of hopping. Find a place in the middle. See if yeah. you can achieve what you want without having to leave if you're really happy where you are. You know? Yeah, exactly. Do you have any New Year's resolutions or buzzwords for this year that, that you're excited for or want to share? just give back, be a part of what 2023 looks like. Like I said, I've, I'm at a point in my career where I feel very, really, really lucky to be where I'm at. And I know not everybody feels that way every day. Yeah. And I want to help people to get there, whatever that version of, you know, I'm happy and I'm where I'm at right now. Mental health has been just on my heart so much yeah. um, recently. And I'm, I'm someone that I just feel so lucky that I have not struggled with that as much through my life, but I know yeah. so many around me do and it just breaks my heart. And I just want to have the opportunity to give back, to help them, whether it's their mental health, because you spend eight to 12 hours a day in your job every day. That's yeah. a huge part of your mental health and being able to help them and, you know, folks that struggle or, you know, young women that are just really not seeing their place in the world, let alone in IT giving back and, and guiding them or giving them advice or just being a sounding board. I'd really like to do that more in 2023. I think that's a great perspective to take into the new year. That's awesome. And I wish you the best of luck in the next year and your upcoming journey uh, for growth and helping other women out along the way. Thank you so much. I really yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jessica. This was totally awesome. A great conversation. And we really appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts with everybody. Thank you for having me. Happy New Year, everybody. Absolutely. Happy New Year. You can find Jessica on LinkedIn, Jessica Maloney, M-A-L-O-N-E-Y, and learn more about Sev1 Tech at sevontech.com. That is S-E-V, the number one, T-E-C-H.com. I'm your 2023 host, Becky Schneider. And until next time, keep inspiring girls and women to rise from the classroom to the boardroom. Mm-hmm.